Welcome to East Coast DNA. We have returned guests, but a kind of different in a way. So uh, we have James Hill and and Janelle. Now, when we had you on before, it was part of the uh, Nova Scotia Music Week series that we did there. Not this past year, the year before. That's right. Yeah. So you were Champagne Weather was the project that you were promoting at the time. And I know that you did a little tour off of that just shortly after a couple months after that. Um, but you're here today because as you're, you would allude it at the time to both having your solo careers and also being a more folky duo than what you were doing as the Champagne Weather Project. So this is the duo project that you had referenced at the time. And you have a Christmas album. Yep, you got it. So I did see that you had done Christmas songs before, and I'm sure a lot of those are collected on this new collection. But what was the timing? Like, was there a specific reason you were motivated to put out a Christmas album this year? Well, uh, the, the timing is kind of a funny question because this album has been in the works for years. Yeah. And so we live in um, Brookfield, just outside of Truro. Um, so on the, at the local church, they have a food bank concert every year. And I don't know how many years ago was it? Jeez, I don't know. Five, six, seven? Ten. Anyway, yeah, maybe ten. <laughs> They, they invited James and I to come and play and, at, you know, you just say yes to the gig. And then all of a sudden we were like, oh, no, we don't know any Christmas songs like a, arranged as a duo. So um, we we put a couple together and that uh, that was kind of the genesis of this whole record. We didn't really know it at the time, but we did um the fiddle medley which is il est né le divin enfant and uh, i saw three ships and then i think it was joy to the world so those were our first two arrangements and then subsequently we just kind of ended up on this almost like one or two a year cycle with these arrangements and um yeah but gradually cobbled it together <laughs> but um, what you're you're kind of like the the christmas song savant like every every year about like early november and we'll wake up with like this idea for a christmas arrangement just like fully formed in her in her <laughs> brain it's like she's dreamt it and then <clears throat> over the course of a couple of weeks we'll like figure out what is what she's actually getting at and and they've always been these kind of like reinterpretations of familiar carol carols so it's not like it's not like we're just doing a sing song like um these are kind of um, new, uh, it's kind of old wine, new bottles, you know? Like yeah. We're having a second look at some of these songs that we grew up with and, and that people have heard for so long. Um, but I think the spirit of the album is to make that connection between um, the old and the new and to, to make the, the old songs and those old melodies somehow land for um, our, you know, modern ears. Um, and I think that's been the challenge and also the the the, the beauty of the record. I, I was, as I was going through the album, 
obviously anyone that looks at the track listing, those are to your point, like they're classic Christmas songs that people know, but listening through it, like every single one of them is unique with your own touches. Now I'm kind of curious. A lot of that is because of the instrumentation and you kind of just put your own spin on it there. I'm sure that was a very complicated process to make the lyrics work with the slightly different arrangements that you put in there. But I know from interviewing you before, as instrumentation, I associate you, James, with the ukulele and and with the cello. So on this album, where it's just the two of you, like those are really full sound. So I know, James, you like to tinker with stuff in the back end a little bit too so is that is that you doing the production on this like is the full album are you mixing this after you guys put things together yeah yeah i did the engineering and the and the most of the production i mean we sort of co-produced it in terms of Mm -hmm. musical um you know ideas and whatnot but yeah we, we chipped away at it here in our home studio for for a few years and yeah that's a it's an in-house production but but we also brought in a few friends you know like um who's playing on the record will fisher's playing drums on the record um joe phillips, joe is, phillips playing is playing bass which is so super cool um so we did have a few friends that we could fly in here and there for for parts and uh, that gave it the the icing on top you know but but the thing the thing about um sort of reinterpreting christmas carols that I think is that I I still get something from every time we play these songs is that they're not just like, well, it's a little faster or a little slower, or maybe this is a little like with a little jazz beat in behind or something like they're really completely reformed. It's, it's Mm -hmm. like, um, it's like, and for, for your arrangements in particular, it's, it's almost like you've taken them apart and put them back together in a new configuration. It, almost like you would get like a steampunk sculpture, you know, that like yeah. takes an engine and like takes all the parts off and all the bolts and everything and then reassembles it in a completely new sort of artistic way. That's kind of the feeling that I get from these from these arrangements. And that's why uh, that's why I'm still interested in, in playing them. If it was just a straight ahead Christmas record, like, hey, let's, you know, like, let's just sing Deck the Halls the way we've all, always sung it or Joy to the World. I like personally... I just don't think I'd be that interested. It's it's this reform, this reforming of 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 memories and the sort of um, the uh, the way that it makes me re rethink my my associations with the melodies and with that, the songs yeah. that that keeps me interested in 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 performing these tunes. And I'm curious, well, for both of you, but and specifically because I do know that you're solo career had some stuff out recently and i did listen to some of it and there's a lot of piano in there yes so with the christmas album did you either of you but Anne, i'm specifically wondering because i know that you were venturing outside of what i'm associating you with for an instrument did you explore outside of your own comfort instruments for this album because like you did mention that you brought friends in to do some of the extra parts but was there anything that you were kind of flexing a new muscle for with this project? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you're right with the solo record. I was doing some piano, which is not my native instrument, let's just say. Uh, but I, 
I think actually more for this record, we just kind of did what we know how to do well. Um, so one of the things, both James and I grew up in an orchestra setting, you know, we were in youth orchestras and, and, and then professional orchestras as we kind of um, got, got more established in our careers. And so I think for me, I like the, the flexing of the muscle has been about uh, expanding these songs to a full orchestral treatment because one of the exciting things about this particular tour that we're doing is that we are going to be playing with a full symphony orchestra in BC. Wow. So we have two more um, Nova Scotia shows. I don't know when this is going to air. Maybe, yeah, they'll probably be done by then, but we're playing at Halifax tonight and tomorrow night in the Valley. But then we head out to BC and uh, we have our first opportunity to play with the full symphony. So that, that is definitely flexing, flexing some new, muscle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's, it's stretching us. And it's, it's such a full circle moment because we're used to having been in the orchestra as orchestral musicians, never dreaming of being out as the soloist. And now mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's just a wonderful, like pinch me kind of moment. Like, okay, you know, we're, we're doing this, but we're, coming at it from a, our unique um, kind of unconventional way. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and even the shows in Nova Scotia, we've been playing with the string quartet. Yeah, that's right. Which yeah. is, they're like a super group string quartet. Uh, we've got Sarah Frank, Norm Adams, um, Gina Burgess, and uh, Susanna, Brown. Susanna Brown. Yeah, they're yeah, like, some favorites <laughs> from Halifax. So that's given us sort of like the, the symphony uh, miniature version of what we're going to encounter out in bc so that's been a really cool process also a bit humbling because like yeah. as a duo we're so used to be having total control in the moment the ability it's, it's like playing as a duo is like driving a sports car it's like there's only two seats and it's low to the ground and if you want to make They're a sudden very, turn like, <laughs> yeah. you, you want to make a crazy turn you just go for it and the other person's going to come with you you know <laughs> Uh, yeah, they play, like or playing with a symphony or, or even a string quartet is kind of like, you know, driving a, like a, like a 18 wheeler. It's like that, that thing doesn't turn on a dime. It doesn't accelerate on a dime. You can't just whimsically, you know, yeah, yeah. you, you, you yeah. gotta, you gotta plan everything. And uh, it's, that's not our, um, uh, would you say our, you know, natural habitat? Uh, no, it's just not within our experience yet, but. You know, there's also, yeah, there's, I mean, well, actually, we did have a preview of the orchestral sound because last weekend we played with the Moncton Youth Orchestra. Yeah, and cool. um, wow, what a sound, you know, like the full orchestra is just this incredible and huge sound. It's like very oh, enveloping. So it, it's it's rock and roll. I mean, know? it reminds you why the symphony was invented. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's dang loud. loud. Like, you're, you're standing out in front of that thing. I, I never have to have that much in my monitor, like ever. But I had to have them absolutely crank the monitor like I was playing in a New Year's like rock and roll cover band because I'm standing with like 80 musicians behind me. And when they when they uh, crank it up and they really go for it, it's incredibly loud. And, and uh, you know, being right there uh, with that sound was pretty cool. And I, and I guess that's the trade-off, right? Like slow moving but i mean it's, it's worth the sound it's yeah. worth every bit of it yeah so i would suspect but i'm curious from your own perspectives because 
you're you when you know that you're kind of ramping up and trying new things right now with this Christmas project. We have about a month of that and then we're into the new year. So do you individually have plans going into the new year? Are you doing a duo thing? Is Champagne Weather coming back with another project? Yeah. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> all all of the above. <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah, I mean I've I've got a record coming out in February that is um it's a it's it's a it's the least solo solo record ever produced, I think, because it is my songs and it's a James Hill record but I invited my fans and my friends to play on the record with me. Mm -hmm. So I ended up having about 165 people on the record with me uh, wow. singing and playing. And it's, it's the project is called Uke heads and uh, people were just invited to be part of the record. So it's, it's the, it's the biggest band on a solo record. I think I've, I've ever heard of. So that's really cool. And it's it came together great and it's coming in February. And then yeah. after that, yeah, March, April, we're going to uh, release our first Champagne Weather EP. So we're doing a cross Canada tour in support of that. So, awesome. Yeah. That's really exciting. Yeah. Is there any room in the small window in between there for Anne to do some of the piano live from the solo project? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't have another tour planned, but I do, I do have some video content coming out. So um yeah we're gonna we're gonna uh have a lot a lot more to say about that record coming in the new year with the new projects and one thing that i noticed when i'm looking for you online you do have separate accounts for those separate projects as well so where would you recommend that people follow James and Champagne Weather or James and Hand together. Well, yeah. Well, uh yeah, the duo the duo doesn't really have socials. So Ooh. basically it's James's solo. Uh so you have a Facebook page, like a James Hill music with a Q, I yeah. think. It's probably best just handle. go to the websites. Um, can jump off them. Yeah. yeah. yeah James, James Hill yeah, that has all your links. Yeah. Anjanelle. And mine is, yeah, anjanelle.com. But yeah, I'm on Instagram and um, sometimes Facebook. And uh, we also have Champagne Weather handles too. But yeah. what we found is because it's musically different enough, it's nice for people to, yeah, just, just be able to choose one one or the other. And, you know, our favorite way is to keep in touch with people by email. So um both of our websites they have we have email signups and um yeah that's the way that we have that like heart to heart connection with with people perfect and, uh, my my uh solo record that's you know got a lot of people on it uh is ukeds and that's ukeds.com and uh we'll we'll probably be continuing that project and actually people can still join and be part of the band so ukeds.com for that one mm -hmm. Perfect. In the new year, I want you guys to uh, remember to reach out again. Yes. And you're welcome to come on individually to talk about your individual solo projects. And yeah. I will really be interested to hear about the Champagne Weather release when that comes time to as well. 
Right on. Thank you. Thank you. So for our Christmas theme, to get back to uh, that itself, we do have a playlist now to accompany these episodes. I uh, think this is like episode six or seven in the series now. So we're, we're getting up there in numbers. So we will add a couple of your Christmas songs into those playlists. But for anyone listening to this episode, is there something from the album that you'd like to play out with? Hmm. Didn't think of that. Didn't think of that. Which which one do you like to recommend that people hear? You don't know. I do have one question related to it, actually, that I didn't okay. think of earlier. Um, and it is to help you pick a song, actually, because okay, you, you mentioned <laughs> uh, the I Saw Three Kings. You blended that with... Uh, French Christmas Carol. Mm. Um, so are you both bilingual or are you just smart enough to figure out a song? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, that song that you uh, that you were talking about is an instrumental. So it doesn't really yeah, matter. Right. But we That's did, the easiest way to We play. did both grow up uh, in the French immersion program out west, actually. So we can, yeah, we can. We can get by. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a long way. I from wouldn't say that we're but, like bilingual, but we can yeah. we can order something off a menu and um, well, what eavesdrop we do, if well, we need to. But actually, there is there is a French song. a French song on there. Yeah, uh, a version of Patapan, which is um, this great old Burgundian carol that again we sort of uh, we totally gave it a <laughs> once over. It a oh yeah, wash or and, something. Yeah. And like I, I remember growing up listening to like Saint Germain and and Daft Punk and like a lot of sort of uh, French house music and electronic music. So I wanted to see if we could bring like the the traditional French carol, uh, which has such a fun uh, jump to it, like a nice rhythm, and and then sort of merge that with some more modern sort of French electronica elements. And uh, I think it worked out great. That one actually did stick out enough that I went to research the origins of the song like, yeah, yeah. i was like what is this one i should know like <laughs> like i knew they were different arrangements but i'm like i don't know this carol at all so i went back to it it was it's kind of it's got a very interesting backstory too and yeah i know it yeah, does sure. yeah. basically yeah, anyone do. yeah right. if anyone doesn't know it the little drummer boys basically like an english derivative of that song as well so yeah. like it's yeah. it actually has deeper history than some of the english carols that we're all familiar with too so i did find totally. that very interesting which is cool for me personally because little drummer boy has always been the carol that i've least enjoyed <laughs> yes. at christmas i don't know what it is about little drummer boy that just grates on my nerves um claymation but... a lot of people are creeped up by claymation when they're young and they had the little drummer boy claymation <laughs> movie it. yeah yeah it's a like phobia general phobia of claymation oh my goodness but but when you get the 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 French sort of like <clears throat> vocal <clears throat> excuse me speaking of which <clears throat> the French like vocalization of music and rhythm is so deeply embedded in 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 the French tradition folk music uh, right and yeah. you know we've heard it from our friends in in like uh, La Bottine Souriante and De Temps en Temps and Le like Le Vent du Nord and these great French bands uh, Quebecois bands who who do a lot with the vocalization of the rhythm, even in the concert, not not just a way of practicing and, and getting to know the songs, but it becomes part of the performance. And so there's something about when they say pata pata pan and, and tour lulu and like the vocalizations somehow land 
in a different way than Little Drummer Boy, which always felt kind of forced to me. And like, um, oh, is about yeah. the squarest rhythm you could possibly think of. Like, who who would play for like the baby Jesus and and choose pa ra pa pom pom? As yeah. rhythm? You know, it just seemed to me like, but like a missed opportunity. You know, you like you really could have come out with some cool rhythm, but uh, that's what you chose. But anyway, the uh, Petapan, uh, we we had a, a lot of fun with it in the studio. It was the last track that we did. Yeah, that's right. We so just we were feeling at the last. We were feeling kind of like loose and and just like, hey, let's just give this a shot and and throw it in the mix. So so we did, and and uh, it worked out. Awesome. I think I think we have a winner. Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> awesome. Well, I definitely want to explore a little bit more of the uh, blending English and French when you come back in the new year. Um, anyone that's been following recently, I I just uh, met a bunch of new bilingual people when I was in Moncton. Oh, so I was starting to incorporate some of it into the show, but I am very ignorant. I don't know French. So mm. I'm just trusting that everybody when they're speaking French is saying nice things about each other. So. <laughs> everyone's smiling anyway so yeah oh my goodness yeah well that's been such a wonderful um asset you know just having that second language there's so many times like we were touring once in brazil and one of our hosts she didn't speak english but she spoke french and so all of a sudden we're like dusting off our rusty french so it's i met it's, somebody in japan beautiful who didn't yeah. speak english but did speak french and all of a sudden we can have oh, a cool. connection, you know and to sing in french too i feel like English is, you know, it's a global language, but it's not very nice to sing. <laughs> it's all like, right. It's, it's not the worst. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of clunky. Yeah. And French, just French or Italian, like they just, it's just so, so beautiful to sing. It's, so, they refer to it as one of the love languages. Like, yeah. You know. and, yeah. And it's just very, like, pleasing to the ear to hear just, yeah, like the, even in the in the patapan song, the turalurulu is supposed to be the flute, and the patapatapan is the is the drum. Mm -hmm. But even those those vocalizations sound beautiful, you know. Like it's yeah, it's a really we've had a lot of fun. I mean, and it's our first French song, right? Yeah, I guess that's yeah. Right. so I hope to to write more in French and to sing more in French because it's mm. just yeah it's a, it's a beautiful language well and speaking of writing too is one thing we haven't talked about is the the, the original songs that are on the record um oh, which might not at first sound like Christmas songs you know and and people are like well why 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 are these like I can't remember how many there are but why are these handful of songs on there if they're just original songs that are random you know but <laughs> if you listen closely uh you know the the original songs are that they they take one line from an old carol and build a new song around it so it's sort of replanting uh, old lyrics um, mm -hmm. uh, so for example there's a there's a piece in there called a day or two ago which is like this moody uh meditation on you know like uh, uh, sort of a moody love song and uh the first line is a day or two ago which is borrowed from uh, I think the second verse of Jingle Bells. Right? Yeah. So you, you're able to like extract little pieces from very familiar songs, put them in a new context, and then build an entirely new song around it. So they maintain this like really fine thread to the past, but still have this sort of original um, vibe to them once once you finish the song. So we've done that in a few places, and I personally I 
I really enjoyed that process uh, every bit as much as, you know, rearranging the existing carols. So the album's really a mix of those two approaches. Yeah, the transitions with putting that stuff in, like you have some interludes and everything worked in there as well. Like yeah. it does make, I don't know my, it's just me personally, maybe, but it does make me listen to the album all the way through. Like the instinct when you look at an album like that and you know classic traditional songs is to go, oh, well, I know this song. What does that sound like? And just click on them. Right. And like I definitely did that for like 15, 30 seconds to get a vibe for it. But then when I went back to listen to it, it did kind of keep me in the flow of like, this is an album I'm listening to rather than I'm listening to this individual song. So I'm sure that that transitions very easily into your live performance. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Christmas is, you know, for, for, for better, or for worse, you know, Christmas is a time when, you know, people <laughs> just put everything on hold uh, at least for a couple of days and get back to being together and uh, listening to music you know, like I always say, everybody loves jazz for two weeks. Uh, and then they go back to whatever else they're doing. Everybody plays albums. Mm -hmm. uh, it is kind of a time capsule. Um, you have music that accompanies traditions uh, in a way that you don't get for really any other holiday. Like, oh, yeah, what, what's your favorite year. Valentine's Day song? You know, like, yeah. what's your favorite Easter song? Like, uh, unless you're really, really deeply into those traditions, there, there is no musical accompaniment to the traditions themselves. So Christmas is this really, uh, it, it's a it's a unique time of year. And and uh, we both grew up with different, but still strong, you know, traditions around the time. And the idea that you would put an album on in the background and listen to it from start to finish as you're doing other things, making, making a meal, reading a book, just hanging out uh, on the couch, you know, those are very fond memories for me, me. and for, for a lot of people, maybe the only time of year when they do listen to an album front to back anymore. So we wanted to make an album that would fit right into that picture of, you know, your time uh, in, during the holidays. Awesome. And we will have links down in the bottom. So if anyone wants to go out and listen to the full album, but it's available out there to stream everywhere now anyway. So I'm yeah, sure... It's out. Any anyone that was already aware of you probably has already come across that, but uh, I will include links down below. Yeah, uh, we'll... and we also have um, we also actually have CDs. Excellent. And, that uh, was going to be a, the one of my last questions was if there's yeah, a physical media component. There is, yeah. So um, we collaborated with this wonderful collage artist from Brazil, Taki. And he has created this whole almost a world, like yeah, yeah, this um, this fantastical world. Um, so each basically for each song, we commissioned a new piece of artwork from him, and of course, one of those is is on the cover of the album. But there's also you know a really beautiful booklet with a bunch of artwork in it as well. And uh, yeah, we we have been finding that we miss that physical aspect of listening to music in, you know, again, maybe it's the slowing down of the seasons, at least for a few days that enables this physical connection. I don't know, but having something 
and we have a young son too. So we've, we've made sure we have a CD player at his arm height in the kitchen mm -hmm. and he'll just go and like put records. We also have a vinyl um, record player in the kitchen too, but that, that physical act of engaging with the music, even though, you know, not that it's, we need to be like over commercializing things, but having a, I think it's about the physical ritual mm -hmm. and having a, yeah, just something to like do something with. And then you listen, the record, you flip it over. We're hoping to have vinyl maybe next year for this album, but um, yeah, anyway, it, it was, uh, we were sort of trying to figure out if it was something that we wanted to do. Cause now it's, it's just a different world in, in trying to like sell CDs, but we're trying to interface with, with new technologies so that it's, you know, you can buy the CD, even if you don't have a CD player, there's lots to enjoy with the physical. With oh, the physical that, that's aspects. an awesome idea because the physical media is something that I, I typically ask people about if they're doing it or not. And there's a lot of limited runs and yeah, I mean, vinyl, has a very strong place in a collector market as well. But to put the extra effort into a CD package as well is nice because it does give you something that you can hold and flip through while you're sitting and listening to it exactly. or yeah. yeah. But, but we see, and, and this is an issue as like, I'm especially interested in this topic um, as we move into like full blown festival season uh, in the summer. And we've got a lot of friends uh, and, and us included, are going out on the road and fans there's a disconnect like fans do want something mm -hmm. like they they want to walk away with something that that uh symbolizes that experience that they have they want a piece of memorabilia they can't necessarily afford or you know they don't want a hoodie from every single artist on stage you know that's just impractical you know so so like there has to be some physical item that's not too big and not too small that represents the moment and that you can get signed and, and CDs really fit that bill so nicely. What I hear from people, uh, you know, all the time now is I would buy that CD, but I don't have a CD player. Um, and so what we did with the Christmas album as an experiment is that we included a QR code on the inside so that when they open the album, they scan the QR code and boom, it, the whole thing just plays right on their phone. Awesome. So we've eliminated that excuse that like, <laughs> hey, I, I would That's buy your weird. album, uh, but I don't have a CD player. And, and so we show them the, the code and we have a sign on the merch table that says, you know, all you have to do is scan the code to play the album. And and we've been seeing uh, a, now we haven't done a lot of shows with that that code in place, but we have definitely seen that move the needle in terms of people's willingness to to buy the physical record because they know they can play it on their phone or on their smart speaker or whatever. So uh, that's been an interesting uh, experiment. Yeah, and sometimes even, I don't know if you have this experience, but when you're on Spotify or a streaming app, sometimes it takes you a while to find the album that you want or you you kind of forget one word or, you know. Yeah. So I think sometimes it's really nice to have that shortcut straight to the album and you don't have to, you know, well, make and also, all your search errors. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, like in the early days of... Um, facebook when it was like just the more friends the better like it was like a friend competition so like who had more friends and, yeah, i have 100 friends i have 500 friends i have a thousand friends and 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 all the while like the research that, that i read was pretty clear it's like the average number of true friends that 
uh, person in North America has in their lifetime is like the average was something like 1.5. Yeah. Like, like that's just the average number of true friends that you're likely to have in your whole life. Uh, maybe it was as high as like two or two and a half. Like, you know, we're talking like numbers under like under five. If you have any more than that, you, you might not have time to actually invest in those friends in the way that will maintain the friendship. I feel that that is similar to where we are at with songs and albums right now. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the thing is like, Hey, I have all of human history's records at my fingertips. Guess how many I actually listen to in a meaningful way on a regular basis. Yeah. About 20, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think that going, coming back to in some way to the physical is, is great for that. Look, I have my little stack that really represents me and my life and the way I see the world. And just like if I wear a t-shirt of a band that I love, somebody walks into my house and they see that stack. They know me uh, in a way that I don't go around showing people my Spotify app, yeah. showing people my playlists. It's not a way for me to show the world who I am in the same way. So I, you know, I do feel this desire on my own part and also on the fans part to, to, to return somewhat to the physical uh physical world i just don't know exactly what it's going to look like but i'm very interested in this whole question from a design and a producer standpoint and all that stuff yeah it's it's, it's definitely something that's recurring to especially with independent artists that are out yeah. touring is yeah. that people are looking for something to take home that's right so yeah. regardless of what it is i mean obviously the physical media of the music is the key place that you want to go with it so I'm really curious to see where 2024 takes us because mm. a couple of years ago we had QR codes, but nobody used them. Yeah. Now they're everywhere and everybody knows how to make one and everyone well, knows how to the, use them. That, that's the power of having it integrated into an operating system. You know, the minute it gets included in the next Apple update yeah. to your phone, boom, it's all of a sudden it's viable you know, at scale, else <laughs> you know, um, just the same way that Zoom was around before the pandemic. But, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, you know exactly. things take their time. I mean, QR codes are like 11 or 12 years old by now. So they're, yeah. they're sort of the, the, the old fogies on the tech side of things. But, you know, everything uh, in its time. Yeah. And I'm just I was remembering a conversation you had with Pascal. But what did she say? Oh, yeah, that's so funny. I was talking with my dentist's wife and she was uh saying um about physical media because i gave her a copy of the christmas record and she said thanks for the cd we actually do have a cd player at home and here at the office she said and she kind of like looked into the distance and kind of said whimsically whimsically she was like ah, she said ever since i got spotify i don't really listen to music <laughs> and i was like wow that <laughs> Good. what a like, what a statement and it's a way, yeah such i a don't beautiful way really listen to music anymore and now that i can do anything i don't really do anything uh, and and um i thought like wow that uh that really sums it up for me and uh i i'm sure that she is far from the only one who kind of feels that way it's almost like it's like well it pays my nine dollars nine dollars a month and uh i know i can listen to anything and just that is sort of enough. You know, yeah. like, well, it's a very weird place to be that, as a consumer. You're just so overwhelmed. Like right, right. sometimes yeah. there's that overwhelm, that paralysis mm. that 
choice paralysis or whatever where it's like i don't even know i mean i guess that's where playlists come in but yeah i mean i think it works uh streaming something like spotify or apple music i mean technologically it's incredible like what they're doing and the way they're serving things and the, the way they're able to keep it snappy and serve you no matter what song like Twenty thousand new it's, tracks it's like a up to sixty thousand new tracks a day that are going on there i mean it boggles my brain and and from a technology point of view i'm like wow that's neat uh but from like a sort of a human point of view i'm like oh boy this is this is uh this is a cul-de-sac <laughs> you know, like, yeah i don't i don't know i don't know where this is going <laughs> yes, exactly yeah. uh, so so we'll see i'm but i'm super interested in those uh those questions and possible uh answers artistically and and technologically yeah i have a similar thing on my end that i didn't expect that at the beginning of doing media and promoting musicians i was constantly looking stuff up and they're like oh well they know this person so what do they play and just constantly researching and reading about it and listening to new things and then networking. And then it got to the point, like more recently, I go to two or three shows a week and I'm doing two or three interviews a week. So I have a full-time job. So if I'm doing that, that's like six days a week that I'm not researching or exploring music independently. Mm. So I, I've gotten to that kind of point. That's why I'm ramping up a bunch of episodes right now. Anyone following probably noticed that there's a lot more listed as upcoming because I'm scheduling things ahead, trying to build up that Christmas period so I can take a couple weeks off and yeah. see see what happens. I've noticed even recently with a couple gaps that we take a couple days away, I start gravitating towards something that's different than what I've been doing lately. And that's nice. probably what we should all as artists be doing anyway is mm. taking a step back once in a while and saying like, I'm not trying to recreate what I did last time. Yeah. I'm trying to build something new in the same vein of what I like. So it, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. And if you don't take that space, you don't even have that perspective. Right. You exactly. don't even know what you're doing or what yeah. you did or what you might do. It's just like, go, 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 go. Well, and like also the industry is very um, tricky in that way too. Just, oh yeah. Yeah. You always feel like you have to be doing something and mm -hmm. it's not always the most productive thing to be doing things. Sort of a grow or die mentality yeah. that, that I, I think that comes from the corporate world, but it sort of, uh, it sort of trickles down to the artistic world and you just think grow or die. Uh, you know, that's the mantra for big tech giants. Is it really the the path for artists? Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, sometimes you have to go uh, take one step back to take two steps forward, and and I think that's that's totally fine and and natural. You know, it, it makes you me think breaks, of that. Like you're talking about. Yeah. Just space. Just just chill. Uh, it makes me think about that that quote from Oliver Schroer. Um, the, if your listeners don't know Oliver Shore, the great um, um, Ontario-born but BC-based uh, Canadian fiddler, who's no longer with us but made a huge impact on the on the folk scene in Canada, mm -hmm. and one of the things he said to his students was, sometimes you're actually writing the same song your whole life, just in different ways, and, and because somehow in your in your heart you, you know you know the general direction. 
but you're like magnetically attracted to this end, but you, you never really get there exactly. You just keep trying from different angles to approach that place that you know you would love to be, but you can't actually inhabit. I, I just love this. Uh, like the plight of the artist. Oh. <laughs> but, to, but to hear that articulated was, to, for me was so helpful. You know, like maybe you're actually writing the same song your whole life. Yeah. And, and that's okay. That's, that's actually perfect. what we do. That is what you should do. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's not always about what's the latest, what's the next, what's the better. Yeah. It's like, no, just keep drilling deeper into that thing that you love. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Incredible. Mm -hmm. And so we'll expect uh, physical media to be coming from you guys again in the future. So I, I oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that when that. Yeah. I actually for this new this new solo record, UKEDS, we I just released a poster because it's not out yet. The album's not out. It's only for um, uh, people who played on the record, but it's an interactive poster. So like you put the poster up in your room. Uh, it's the size of a 12 inch uh, record sleeve. But it has a code on it where you can scan the poster and it'll play the album. So oh, like, awesome. I don't think it's just uh, I don't think it's just CDs. Um, I, I think we're going to hopefully I'd like to see a lot more sort of interactive physical merch that interfaces with yeah. the digital world. I, I think yeah, that meets people where they're at. Yeah, you know. there there so may the best, actually the be some stuffs in the works on this end. I've been telling people there might be a little format change in the new year so oh, yeah. that's yeah. that's part of my plan even though i want to take a couple of weeks down away from some of this it's really to re-strategize some of that too so uh i do think that the blending of our actual physical and virtual worlds is i mean we've been all been talking about it for years but i yeah. think yeah. i think we're at that point now and i'm not sure it's like th there's always a blend that, um uh blending is is fine that that almost happens uh whether we like it or not i think maybe it's a rebalancing yeah. of that that relationship yeah. you know like i always i always have thought of the internet in general uh as being like the new city uh and and the physical world is like the old city just like the like in london after the the, the bombings you know there that the, they'd build sections of the city right on top of the old city and, and I feel that that's kind of the world we're living in now, where we live in this physical world of the old city, and, but there's a new city built right on top of us. Uh, the only way you can see the new city is through a device. Yeah. Um, and, and yet we exist with one foot in each of these worlds on a daily basis now. Everybody, even my mom and dad, you know, uh, uh, octogenarians, uh, they're living with one foot in the old city and one foot in the new city. I think it's a matter of how do we balance and rebalance that relationship um, that, that's really the, the ongoing, you know, challenge and conversation. And how do we keep the new city serving the old city? So, yeah. That would you be know, because nice. we're like, we're here. we are here. It's like <laughs> old city right yeah, here. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, sometimes the, the new city takes us further from the old city and that's, you know, where we get into some kind of, well, and, and we, we end up trying to imitate the new city here in this place. Right. So like mm -hmm. the internet gives us everything all at once, everywhere. That, that's the, this is sort of like the motto of the new city. And the motto of the old city is, is the opposite. It's yeah. one thing here now. And it's <laughs> I, so unlikely. These couldn't be more opposite. So 
Yeah. And seasons. No, now it's snowing, you know. Yeah. Now yeah. you can grow things. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. very it's very different. And, and yeah. so we so somehow we I think if to maintain our humanity, I mean everybody's talking about this tidal wave of technology that's coming with AI and whatnot. To to maintain that humanity, I think we we really need to know what it means to inhabit, you know, this yes. old city. Yeah. And to be comfortable and happy here mm -hmm. uh, before anything can really sustainably, uh, you know, continue. I, I don't think that's the way it's going to go. Of course, yeah. things, things don't go like that. Babies fall on their face before they learn how to walk. That, that's We know that growth pattern. But I'm saying as things mature, hopefully we'll be able to rebalance those scales. And I think we're at that point with music now where we understand so like this is not 2001 anymore. It's not Napster land. Like mm -hmm. the the online uh, streaming uh, aspect of music has come so far and has become so mature. Now we can stand back and say, okay, how do we want to rebalance that relationship? Mm -hmm. It's at that point now. And and I actually think that's a really uh, really cool thing. It's a nice time to be involved in the conversation. Well, in a lot of this podcast, like I I focus on youtube a lot when i talk about it especially for anyone that's new to the show but i'm on all the different platforms that you can think about there but the the main podcast is hosted by spotify which became like a dirty word for a while in the music industry <laughs> so like i didn't constantly promote it but i was using it the whole time and i have heard from spotify naysayers that they're somewhat interested to see what spotify is doing in the new year too because there's been some rumblings in the industry that their their payouts are adjusting and they're incorporating stuff with tiktok to make sure that there's money being paid there too so mm. nobody's going to make a million dollars off streaming in 2024 but yeah polish the tarnished you know which is which is good i mean it's if not... they make some adjustments that's yeah. fine but here i mean we often talk about you yeah. sell one album <laughs> and it is worth like millions and millions and millions and millions of streams. Okay, maybe not millions, but like, I mean, you need a thousand streams to buy a copy. Like, yeah. okay. that's thousands. a lot. That's Tens a lot. of thousands. Yeah. yeah. Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Uh, but we often talk about how like it's, it's easy as independent musicians to look at pop stars and to imagine that we are in the same business as they are. Yeah. Right? Like, well, look, streaming works for Ed Sheeran. Streaming works for Drake and Taylor Swift. You, as little independent artists in Nova Scotia, living in the in the woods, you're you're just on that track. You're just a little further back from them. And maybe if you work hard, you'll get to where they are. Uh, that's a complete fallacy. Yeah, uh, you know they are in a different industry. Yeah. We might as well think of them as selling Rolexes or like, like well, they, they're not like, in the same. They're like McDonald's, <laughs> and we're like slow, food, like a food truck, single <laughs> meal movement. Yeah, so so yeah, okay, there's there's some similarities, but I think it's very it's a fallacy for young musicians to make a direct connection between starting off as an independent artist, wanting to have a sustainable career and a life uh and, and and this sort of like connection to well if i just work hard i'll i'll be like drake that 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 is not a straight line and i don't think young artists should should see it that way uh, because they are almost two different industries 
Um, and th that's sort of where we've landed on it. And, and that, that helps actually, because you look at Spotify and you don't think, well, maybe if I just work way, way harder, I will be able to buy a new car with my Spotify streams. It's more like, look at Spotify uh, as a loss leader, uh, as a lead generator. And here's the one, the one thing that I wish that young musicians, well, actually <laughs> young musicians of any age, I, I wish that we would get more into the habit of not putting everything out like hold some back you got 10 songs in the can put eight songs on spotify make two of those songs premium content somehow bring people into your world and and offer them you know additional bonus content if they unlock it through certain things the the idea that we should just fork everything over to spotify without giving it a single thought that is an imbalance the kind of imbalance we've been talking about to bring that relationship into a better balance, we say, hey, Spotify, you can have these five or six tracks because I think they go well in your format and they're gonna win me some new fans, but I'm gonna keep some of this back and uh, you know, distribute that in a different way. Yeah, just use it for what it's good at. To me, mm -hmm. that's, that, that's the, the survival yeah. skills uh, you know, at, at this point in time. Mm -hmm. and, and actually to that point when I do take time to sit down and research an artist preparing for an interview like this i have found that like i used to use discogs to really deep into like the individual artists and find out what they had out there but unless you've been established for over a decade you probably don't have a lot of stuff listed in your history on discogs yeah. so i did unintentionally start relying on the spotify discographies and i've noticed anyone that wants recent episodes Every time I talk about, so your first album, and they're like, no, no, I was around for a while before that. That's just my first Spotify album. Yes, right. And yes. to your point of releasing everything, I have noticed, and I was of two minds about it. From a collector mentality, I like to have a curated collection of everything. But to your point, as far as releasing everything as you create it, and never holding it back and not thinking about your strategy. A lot of people are getting two or three years albums out. And then like, you know what? I don't like a couple of the songs on that first one. So that's gone. Yeah. And, and like, it just, it, it's, it's a weird social media world where if you change your digital image, it's almost like the history doesn't exist anymore. So if you remove it yeah, from your account, it and never yeah. happened. Yeah. Yes, yes. Like yeah. these interviews are great to uncover the truth. But yeah, yeah I mean, it turns out the internet does forget. Yeah. Well, it swear. I, I, yeah. I really honestly think the internet does forget. And uh, I think that's a fascinating thing. If I, if I was going, if I was 20 again and was researching stuff, I, I would, I would love to dig into how the internet forgets and what that means for us. You know, I, I think that's, that's a nerdy topic that I'm very interested in, <laughs> that it almost relates to this conversation. Almost. Yeah, not, but not quite. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to have you back on for a conversation where we just talk about uh, analytics and uh, yeah. hy <laughs> hypothetical <laughs> trends moving right. forward. So that, that'll be a real page turner. sit that one out, yeah. yeah. Actually, I might be able to, if I mentioned I have a full-time job, I might be able to get some of my corporate people to actually watch one of my episodes <laughs> if I was talking about yeah, that you're one. You're crossing over. See, yeah. that's, right. that's, that's strategic right there. Yeah, yeah. It's, all about, it's all about balance. 
<laughs> that's right and balance is a dynamic thing it is constantly changing i think balance gets a bad rap because people say oh you know i need a, i need a better balance uh as, as if that's like a thing to achieve and then to just hold yeah, you know, yeah. if you've ever tried to stand on one foot you know what balance actually looks like it's just a constant adjustment mm -hmm. that's that's balance it's like playing in tune yeah that's right. yeah always adjusting you don't really play in tune you're constantly adjusting uh and and i think that's sort of a metaphor for uh life in general but also you know, definitely life as a musician and so your dates that you have coming up you mentioned you're heading out to bc after these couple nova scotia dates which probably the timing of anyone listening to this is just after the nova scotia dates so you were traveling at the moment uh, what are the actual performance dates because i did notice with Spotify doing the wrap-ups, that I have a larger percentage of listeners in BC than I expected. So oh, maybe okay. some people can catch one of these shows. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, so we have a show on the afternoon, Sunday, December 10th at 3.30. And that's a show in Surrey, so just south of Vancouver. And we also have three dates with the Okanagan Symphony, the... December 15th in Kelowna, December 16th in Penticton, and December 17th in Vernon. And if I have my dates right, I think that's right. It's Friday, that's Saturday, right. Sunday. And people can find all details, ticket links on our website, our duo website, which is jameshillandjanelle.com. And then there's just like a calendar and tickets link there that all it's just all in one place. Perfect. And for people that are curious about what we've been talking about this whole time, uh, we'll play out with Patapan. And sure. anyone that didn't catch the original interview I had with you two, it is still available in our archives. Nice. And uh, with our YouTube channel, I have a playlist of live shots. So at some point when things slow down, I'm going back through, I've been doing it periodically and grabbing old footage. So you did do a live performance in the uh, last interview. So that may actually show up under the live shots in the next few weeks as I clip some of them out and put them as a separate viewable entity. So thank you for your time. Uh, like I said, definitely come back in the new year. Yeah. Uh, anyone out in BC that's watching this, uh, find the link below and go get some tickets so you can catch that with full orchestra. So unique experience as well. That should be exciting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, thank uh, you so much, Darcy, for all that you do for us independent artists. We we know you work really hard and we just appreciate it so much. So hopefully you'll get a little bit of rest over the holidays. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've been watching as I edit. I'm I'm starting to, I'm, I'm getting very tired as the month goes on. I can see, I can see it physically wearing down. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, well thanks, thanks so much. We really appreciate your support. So, no, and, and thank you for reaching back out and uh, remembering to circle back around because, uh, right. like I mentioned, I'm not spending as much time researching everything. So, I'm very much happy when people are leaning back out and saying, Hey, remember yeah. me? I'm like, I absolutely do. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks again. And I uh, hope to talk to you soon. Yeah. You bet. Thanks, thank Jason. you. Bye. Bye.
ton tambourin Toi prends ta flûte, Robin Au son de ses instruments au son de ces instruments, je dégraine au argument. C'était l'amour d'autrefois, de louer le roi des rois. Au son de ces instruments, tout le monde Au son de ces instruments, il nous en faut faire Chantant dans son son, 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 son. 